Hey guys, welcome to the SEC Block Party. My name is Andrew Ploogie, and sitting here next to me is my co-host and wonderful wife, Tori Ploogie. Welcome back to Week 7. Yeehaw, if y'all never want to miss an episode, please make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the username at SEC underscore Block Party. And if you do enjoy our podcast, please go rate and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. If this is your first time joining us, this might come as a surprise to you, but we're going to go over the 2019 uh, weekly standings in the conference. So right now we have a four-way tie for first place in the SEC. Number 13, Florida, receiving votes Georgia, Ole Miss, and number 16, Kentucky, are all sitting at 6-1 and one in conference. So um, I know we play Georgia and Kentucky this week, so some mix-ups and change-ups are going to happen. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, Missouri is sitting at four and two in the conference in fifth place. They're ranked 25th in the country. A&M is now receiving votes in the ABCA poll. They're in sixth place at five and three, followed by LSU, Alabama, and South Carolina, then Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi State and Auburn. A couple of games that we loved last week, we have Arkansas getting their first conference win of the season against Mississippi State. It's been a long time coming for the Razorbacks as they've been very close in a lot of matches. Yeah, for our SEC Players of the Week, um, our Offensive Player of the Week is Texas A&M's Holland Hands. The, there were two Defensive Players of the Week, so for SEC Co-Defensive Players, we have Florida's Allie Gregory and Kentucky's Gabby Curry. The SEC setter of the week is Kentucky's Madison Lilly. And I, I tried to look back to see if what number award that was for her. I think it might be her first setter award for this year. Um, we have to look. Maybe we'll have a corrections corner next week. But she's arguably the best, if not for sure, one of the best setters in the conference. So it's nice to see her back on that list. Um, and then the SEC freshman of the week is LSU's Samara Hill. There's a couple of games that we're looking forward to next week. We have Georgia uh, at or against Ole Miss and Texas A&M. So three teams sitting there in the top half of the conference. It's a big week for the Georgia Bulldogs, who are on a really hot streak right now, um, as we mentioned in last week's podcast, and they're continuing to roll. Yeah, but before we recap the matches uh, from last week, here's a little history on the University of Tennessee volleyball team, the Lady Volunteers. The first year of their program was in 1973. Their all-time record was is 918 and 608. So big history of winning. They have won five SEC championships. The most recent one coming in 2011. They've been to the NCAA 15 double. <laughs> they've been to the NCAA 15 times, including one Final Four in 2005. And they are coached by Eve Rackham, who is in her second season. So 2018 was a record year for the Lady Vaults under their new ho- new head coach, Eve Rackham. They placed second in the SEC, and their only loss in the conference came to the champions, Kentucky. Uh, they also made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. 2019 has started a little bit slower for Tennessee as they start conference play at 3-5 and five and are currently sitting 9-9 nine and nine on the year. They return almost all of their starting lineup with a big, big exception of All-American Erica Triber, but they've still got another All-American Tessa Grubbs still on their roster, as well as senior middle blocker Alyssa Andrino. Did I say that right, Tori? Mm-hmm. All right. They uh, they have a spark plug libero, Madison Coulter, who really runs the energy bus for the Ficey Tennessee team. This week would... 
This week would prove to be a tough one for Tennessee as they face two ranked opponents, Kentucky and Missouri. Not really the matchup a team is looking for when they're trying to gain some confidence and momentum uh, in conference play. Kentucky went into Knoxville on Wednesday night. It was on TV, and they were able to get the sweep. Not for lack of trying, though, from the Vols. Set one, lost... Uh, set one, they lost to a score of 25 to 23. Set two, lost 25 to 17. And then Kentucky would have to fight off four set point opportunities before overcoming Tennessee 30 to 28. Uh, statistically, though, Tennessee did really well. They hit 230 uh, percentage as a team. Uh, that normally would be a really good outing for a team, uh, except for if you're playing Kentucky, who hit a whopping 355. So, Kentucky just kind of outplayed them there. Tennessee, though, had more aces. They had three aces to Kentucky zero and more blocks. It's seven blocks to Kentucky's five. Uh, Traveling to Como later in the weekend, Tennessee was looking for their fourth consecutive win against the Missouri Tigers, uh, but they would actually fall in four sets. A very up-and-down match for Tennessee as they lost the first two sets, 25-14 and 25-16. Uh, but they would come back and win that third set by seven points, twenty-five to eighteen. They would, they could not hold on to that momentum though, as Missouri would finish the third or the fourth set with a decisive twenty-five fourteen win. Um, after a low kill performance by Tessa Grubbs on Wednesday, she produced twenty kills with a four thirty-six hitting percentage, which that play is what earned her All American last year. Uh, if you are a UT fan, though, please don't be discouraged. All of their SEC losses have come to teams who are currently sitting on the top of the standings in the conference. So I really do think Tennessee is just biding their time for a good conference win. They're a good team. They're coached really well. They just need to put it all together. Um, now, leading into our guest, I don't really want to give away too much about her bio uh, before she gets on the phone with us, but we've got a former Tennessee Vol player joining us named Heather Harrington, and she's got about as many ties as you can to not only the volleyball program at Tennessee, but Knoxville. So with that being said, hey, Heather, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you so much, Andrew and Tori, for having me. This is great. Yeah, we're really excited to get to talk to you, but um, for some of our listeners, we didn't give them a super big preview about um, your background and your bio, so why don't you give us a little bit of that, where you're from, when you played at Tennessee, and also what you're currently doing. Okay, well, I'm in the the funny position of uh, I moved to Tennessee when I was 18 years old, being recruited out of um, a suburb of Houston, Texas. I'm actually from Pasadena, but anytime I say that, people automatically think California, but no, right outside of Houston. And I got here in um, August of 2002, so this past August, I have actually lived in Tennessee now as long as growing up and living in Texas. So it's totally weird, and I've lost sort of my Texan identity, but I've adopted the the volunteer state now as uh, sort of our forever home. So I played at Tennessee from 2002 to 2006, and um, 2005 would have been my last volleyball season, and then I graduated that next spring, and so... Um, we started out, there were, uh, like a core six of us that came in as freshmen and we were really terrible and we got a couple (laughs) of transfers along the way. Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was just laughing at your admittance of your skill level <laughs> as freshmen. Yeah, yeah, no, we were we were really bad as as a team, you know, um, just trying to figure everything out because we were so young, and I think there were only like two seniors on the team my freshman year, and they had sort of cleaned house the year that all of us came in, so it was amazing, like freshman year we're playing up at um you know just Fordham University and some of their preseason tournaments I mean just very very low level volleyball and by my senior year you know we had already become SEC regular season champions SEC tournament champions and then of course my senior year we kept that off with going to the final four so it was truly the every we hit almost every stop along the way that you could when you're yeah that's a you really know, cool climb yeah um also six is a really big and i guess it makes sense if you said they were cleaning house six is a really big recruiting class yeah it was apparently there had been um a couple of girls that maybe uh got outside the lines a little bit uh from a behavior standpoint which i understand hey we're all in college and i'm not saying i was an angel in college but um yeah we we were able to come in kind of all of us together and again, we had uh, we had a couple of people that left because of medical redshirt reasons, but we also had a transfer from Penn State come in, another transfer from Nebraska come in my senior year, and those those two players were obviously catalysts that also helped propel us to the next level. Yeah, those aren't some bad transfers to pick up, and uh, definitely not at all. Well, that's awesome, and the the final four is just great that y'all were able to kind of start from the bottom and make it all the way to the top. But, um, and so also like let our listeners know a little bit about what you're doing now. Okay. Well, um, it was so funny. Uh, I went to school, uh, they, they call it a journalism electronic media major. And I was on a hard news track and I thought I for sure wanted to be Katie Couric and, you know, go report the news and maybe travel overseas and, do all this. And I sort of got into that a little bit uh, while I was still in college doing my practicum. And um, I realized this is just not for me. And uh, through uh, some weird circumstances, I ended up also with an internship with the sports animal in Knoxville, which is um, Knoxville's very first uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year sports radio station. So they cover the Vols, they cover women's basketball, men's basketball, baseball, softball, just everything sports you could imagine. And they had actually been looking for a female voice. And they had tried a couple of other girls, um, and they, they just had not ended up working out. And they tried me, and it was so funny. I owe everything to Vince Young, really, because he was coming out uh, in the NFL draft that while I was doing my internship. And they have to take in the NFL uh, a, an aptitude test. They call it the Wonderlick test. Yep. And he had scored like single digits. Yep, so, I, mean, I remember that. Or a seven, yeah. And so these guys that I were I was interning with, they um, found a sample test on the air like during a break and they just come on live radio morning drive time i mean this was this was morning drive and they administer this test to me and i had you know i'd done pretty well but i'd also gotten some wrong and they started giving me the business about it you know just sort of teasing me relentlessly and i kind of fired back and they later on told me that 
that's what they had been looking for. They had been looking for a woman that was going to know enough about sports, but also be able to stand up to either the criticism or being questioned and what have you. And so I, that was sort of without me knowing that was kind of a test to move forward with that company. And it ended up all working out. And I did that for 13 years. And recently I've transitioned now with two kids kind of hard to get up at four o'clock in the morning um, I can only imagine. on the radio at 6 a.m. Uh, so I've actually moved to middays now with another guy that also has two kids and, and we just rock and roll man. we love talking about the balls love talking about football and everything else sports related according to the website you also love to talk about the bachelor and bachelorette <laughs> yes I actually the, the funniest thing about that he is way more into, I read the spoilers, like on People Magazine or, you know, just uh-huh. in the tabloids. And he actually watches it with his wife every week. It's hilarious. And so there's a really good juxtaposition of, it's like, wait a second, who's supposed to be the woman here? Because you're all in. And I'm just reading to try and keep up with you. Yeah, I wish Andrew would watch it with me. Oh. He, he won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> they say now now you're married and I, I i understand you guys have a little one on the way but there are national bloggers that are out there that are like dude if you are a single guy in your 30s and you are not watching the bachelorette you are really missing out on yeah. great icebreakers on how on talking to women i can <laughs> only imagine well what a cool story about vince young i can't and I have never taken the Wonderlick test but me and my guy friends always talk about it we need to do it we need to do it so that's kind of cool oh yeah was- hey there's tons the samples, just Google.com. You'll, you'll find one. <laughs> Our good friend Google has all the answers. Um, so, okay, you you said you went right into that job after college. You kind of stumbled into it. Can you give us a little bit about the learning curve? And I, I guess in the major, you had opportunities to talk in, on live radio, but doing it on a daily basis, was there a big learning curve? And like, what would what, what did you say is the hardest part about doing something like that? Well, I think just the transition of being a college athlete, you really realize the first couple of months in the real world that even if you didn't play like football at Florida or Alabama or Tennessee, if you were a Division One athlete in the SEC, life was pretty good. And you might not have been able to see it at the time, but when people aren't doing everything for you, like, you know, managing your schedule, managing your day-to-day agenda, helping you work out, helping you eat right. There's a huge just life learning curve about, you know, making sure that you are not eating the same things that you were probably eating in college because you're not working out the same. And, and well, you don't have access to is all of it either. Yeah, because the crazy thing is, and Tori, you might know this too, because you played at A&M, um, you like girl, like athletes do not gain the freshman fifteen or freshman twenty five. It seems it's like the, now post grad um, that, that's normal girls do, but you gain it at like twenty five years old so when you're worse. a couple of years out of volleyball. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just like you know managing all that, and then of course learning how to pay your bills. And I I think I was dealt an extra challenge because again I went into a male dominated where you know arena where women really aren't they're more welcomed now but you know when I was 
Erin Andrews was obviously on the scene um, doing football sideline reporting, and she was doing great. And I think it was like my second year with the radio station that the whole scandal of her her stalker, oh, uh, you know, videotaping her and stuff came out, and it was like, whoa. That was because I really respected her, and I thought a lot of people really respected her. You know, Twitter was still very new, and he had to put up with just daily garbage on Twitter. Oh yeah, which uh, which I hear is still the same. I've disengaged from the Twitterverse, so but Good I hear for you. We're proud of you. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it was just it was um, solidifying yourself in in being able to say, hey, listen, I really do know what I'm talking about, and gaining the audience's trust. Because, you know, they wake up every day with you. They do their routine and they invite you basically into their lives every day. And it was really cool. You know, one of the biggest compliments I ever got, some guy, he drove to a remote that we were having. So, like, we just go on um, a broadcast and publicize a business and they have us there. He actually drove out of his way that morning and he stopped. We were at a golf course and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I was one of those guys that thought women shouldn't be talking about football that, you know, I I just, I didn't think you were going to last and you really changed my mind. He's like, not only do I think you know your stuff, but he's like, I really look forward every day to hearing your input. And that was the biggest compliment I think I've ever gotten. So I'm not going to say it was all like Rocky, but, I mean, there's been so many just amazing moments through this 13 years, too. Well, how special is that? That's a really cool story. Yeah, it definitely makes it worth it to yeah. get some validation. And um, Well, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that my wife is, one, a lot better at sports than I am and <laughs> still <laughs> it makes a career out of it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, part of my career is recruiting, and so I'm always interested to know uh, through your recruiting process what made you – choose the University of Tennessee? Well, it was crazy. Um, I, I got recruited. I really wanted to go to Texas uh, growing up just outside of Houston. Um, and the University of Texas actually took two girls from uh, the city of Chicago. I think they played for Spry uh, my, my senior year. And so I never got an offer. I got offered by almost every single University of Texas campus except main campus in Austin. So when that didn't happen, I knew I wanted to go far away from home. I was kind of just, you know, that that person in the family that was willing to push the limits and, and try something new. And um, Tennessee had offered me. Alabama had also offered me. And it, those really, those two schools came down to um, my last, those were, you know, who I was deciding between. And, and I just went on a visit to Tennessee. I really liked um, all the girls. It, it's funny. We had a volleyball alumni function this past weekend. And the girl that hosted me, who ended up being my big sister my freshman year, she was there. And I got to meet her husband and her children. And she lives over in Charleston, South Carolina now. And so um, it was just really, it, it felt right. Um, we had a great time on my visit. You know, we didn't do anything nefarious. It wasn't like one of those crazy recruiting trips that you hear about. We just, we had a really good time getting to know each other. And I really liked the coaches, uh, that I was introduced to. And, you know, it was just, it was all in all, um, it just, again, it, it felt right. And they also applied, I think the right amount of pressure to get me to commit before I went on my visit to Alabama. So, you know, I think they did a great job also of really kind of sealing the deal and, and locking it down. 
Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, there's something about Knoxville you liked if you're still hanging around. So <laughs> it doesn't seem like too bad of a gig. No, absolutely not. And it's so funny, too, because I always tell this story. Um, coming from a, a very diverse area, uh, you know, my the high school that I went to was uh, almost 70% Hispanic, you know, coming from a big city. There was just so much uh, culture that I was used to growing up. Uh, that moving to East Tennessee and being very much in the Bible Belt and and very conservative and, um, you know, not a ton of diversity at the time. Um, you know, I was kind of like, man, you know, when I graduate, I think I'm moving back home. I don't think I'm uh -huh. going to live here. You know, I, I need the restaurants and the glitz and this and that. And um, it's so funny because I have completely fallen in love with this area with how beautiful it is and with just how incredible the people are. I mean, there are some great people in this town that just so nice. They're all huge sports fans, which that is what I am at my core. Well, and it's just allows you to have a job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys watch, I know y'all mostly pay attention to volleyball, but football, it hasn't been the best of times lately for Tennessee. Uh, but they, there's still this like core group of fans that they're never going to give up on the balls. And anytime yeah. they open up Neyland stadium, those people are going to be there. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. I've, I have yet to go to a football game at Tennessee and uh, it's on my bucket list. I try to make it to, you know, I try to travel to all the, all the different games I possibly can. I just don't have, I haven't made it to that one yet. And I really want to, I want to see yeah. the checkerboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you guys you'll have to uh, save my phone number, and when you come in town, we'll we'll show you where where all the places to go are. Perfect, sure. perfect. So, so we talked about recruiting and getting you to Tennessee. Just real quick, can you do you have a favorite memory from your time in school outside of volleyball? Or if it's volleyball, that's fine. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say. I mean, the biggest we were so you know that was probably looking back on it. Um, we, we probably should have engaged with the rest of the student population more and, and tried to make other friends or, or learn about um, this area because all the knowledge that I've gained from, you know, like the, about the Smoky Mountains and things like that has been since I've graduated. So we could probably could have done our due diligence a little, little more about learning about this area. But I will say we were a close team and we truly were like sisters because there were times that we could fight and want to claw each other's eyes out. But if somebody else tried to, you know, pick on one of our own, you know, we would very much come to their defense. And so my, my favorite memories are definitely from volleyball. And, and I think the biggest one, of course, would be beating Penn State at Penn State in the Sweet 16. I mean, you talk about just like the David and Goliath match. There, we were kind of some ragtag ragamuffins. I mean, we had some talented people, don't get me wrong, but not up next to a Russ Rose, um, you know. Penn That's State awesome. Hitter. Yeah, their outside hitter, she was, I think she was 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, that year, and uh, she was only a freshman. She went on to be, you know, multiple-year All-American and, and national champion. But that day, she had, I think, 24 kills, and 24 errors and she hit zero against our block and it was just the most I mean they had you know it was packed in their gym like I can't remember but it was over 3,000 people that were probably there watching 
That's probably a really special place to play, but not only play, but to come in as a visitor and win because that does not happen often. It does not happen yeah, often. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so college. to just kind of silence that whole area, it, it was incredible. And then, you know, going on, beating Missouri in the Elite Eight and uh, going to the Final Four, that was, it was incredible. It was definitely the way to end it. Uh, but also, also, second highlight would be beating Florida at Florida my junior year to win the SEC championship, the regular season. Um, they put us on the front page of USA Today because Florida had not lost a match in the SEC. Now, this was before A&M and Missouri came into the league, but they had not lost a match in 15 years, and we beat them. And it was On their home incredible. court. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> what year was and that? I know that Mary Wise is still there. It's like Yeah, what amazing. year was that? 2004. Yeah, that so the year they won the SEC. Yeah, was, yeah, that was two thousand. So her first year of coaching was nineteen ninety one. So that was like almost her entire tenure as a coach. And then yeah, yeah. that's unbelievable <laughs> that she didn't lose a conference match in fifteen years. Uh, yeah, I mean they were just that good. They had a girl on that team. Her name was Ari Cruz. Uh, I think she was either from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. It was one of the two. She's the most amazing volleyball player I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Still to this day, unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And so I just, I got to know what it's like playing on that main stage. I mean, everybody in the sport knows that the the Final Four is the mecca. It's what everyone's looking for, you know, um, and working yeah. towards. So what's it like going out on that court and competing? Well, it was just wild. First off, it really did kind of give you a glimpse into the world that it has to sort of be like if you're a men's basketball or a women's basketball player, because you talk about the red carpet being rolled out everywhere. I mean, they're flying us on private planes and they're giving us all these swag bags with like hundreds of dollars worth of just awesome stuff in there. Um, so that standpoint was just kind of mind blowing. It was like, wow, people yeah. really care people. about volleyball. And then our final four was in San Antonio that year in the Alamo Dome. And now I will say it, the court is configured to where only half of the dome is used. You know, if you go to a men's final four, uh-huh. they're in a dome whole and the thing whole is being, thing is being used with the court in the, as the centerpiece in the, on, this, on the stand. So it was half, but it was still the biggest place we had ever played in. And I remember just looking up at the ceiling and looking at the lights like, golly, that is high. You know, you really had to take full advantage of all your practice sessions to sort of get your depth perception engaged and um you know i think and after talking to pat summit um a a couple of years after i started my career we were sort of going over it and and, you know she was a big proponent and you sort of have to get to the final four maybe once or twice before you can take that next step and win a national title because i do think all of us were so caught up in just the wow factor that everything was i mean we got smoked in the final four uh, Washington, they had an outside hitter. I, I think she was Serbian. She was amazing. Uh, she just single-handedly demolished us. And Washington actually went on to win the national title that year. But I just remember, you, you know, you, you almost have an out-of-body experience as you're watching everything unfold. And you're just like, wow, this is our life right now. This is so cool. So uh, it was great. We had a ton of parents um, that came and watched us play, and that made it even more fun and special. Yeah, the homecoming of Texas. 
Yeah, that was fun. It was, it was fun. It took four years to get back to Texas, which I will say on my recruiting visit, they did say, oh, yeah, we'll definitely play in Texas so all your, all your family can come. Well, they kind of had to get lucky to fulfill that that promise. Hey, it, hey, it happened, and I'm sure no one was upset that that's the game they got to go to. So I'm sure it was great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So um, a little bit about the city of Knoxville. How is it? changed for you personally as you've lived there through such different stages of your life as a student, a young professional, and now as a mother and still in the working world uh, there in Knoxville. Tell us about the, you know, evolution you've seen there. Well, they called Knoxville the scruffy little city, and it just is such a cool place. There are so many things. It has changed so much in just the 13 years that I have been a professional in Knoxville. So, it's hard for me to speak to the whole 18 years because, again, um, when you're living that campus life and my first two years, you know, all of the girls that we came in with, nobody had a car. We strictly lived on campus and just sort of navigated our way, bumming rides and stuff. And that's why I think we were all so close is we kind of had to be because we were each other's company and stuff. Um, but, man, our, our city has grown up. We've got amazing restaurants now and amazing uh, nightlife. I don't get to enjoy that as much anymore with a three and a one-year-old, but I could still appreciate a great date night, you know, downtown with my husband. You know, it's just, it's kind of the the best of all worlds because you're close to international airports, uh, you know, just a a short drive. Uh, You're close to the mountains. You're close to um, just everything you could want to do outdoors, like whitewater rafting and stuff like that on the Ocoee River. So it's like if you are a city person, Knoxville's a big enough city now to where you're going to be happy with the shopping and the culture. And if you're an outdoorsman, there's still so much of that around. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. Uh, I, I just really enjoy this city and again, the people in it. All right, Heather. Well, we're wrapping up here, so I got one more question for you before you leave. Um, and it's it just kind of like, what are your final thoughts on why or what makes Tennessee so special for its fans, for the people who live in Knoxville, just for the SEC in, entirely? What makes Tennessee special? Well, you know, it is the state school. And I, I do always think that is um, very special. It can't be duplicated. There are other schools that, you know, uh, are having different uh, levels of success. You know, Memphis has definitely given Tennessee a run for its money, but uh-huh. Tennessee is still the state school that I think everybody in the state, or at least the, the large majority, grow up looking at and, and wanting to be a part of. So I think that's very special. And then just um, the fans, the the level of support that they give, I mean, for 10 years of my career, when Bruce Pearl and Pat Summit were the head coaches of the Tennessee basketball program, they led the nation in combined attendance. Um, you know, like there's, there yeah. were 13,000 people coming to a women's basketball game and there were, um, you know, 20,000 people coming to the men's game. So an average of 33,000 people basically a week, you know, coming to support basketball. And then, you know, Neyland Stadium being 102,000. It's just awesome when it's rocking and rolling. And I I know Tennessee, again, will cycle back up at some point, and that'll make it even better for the fans that have stuck through in the hard times. So I will say this, like the best tradition, when you, whenever you guys come, we'll make it happen. The coolest thing to do uh, for a football game is to definitely come by water. I mean, we're, 
We're only two stadiums in the country, us and the University of Washington, where you can arrive at the football stadium via the river, and it is just the most epic time. It's it's called the Vol Navy. Y'all should Google it. It is oh, yeah. my favorite tradition. I think I remember watching Laura Rutledge jump off of jump off of a boat into like on one SEC Nation morning. <laughs> I think I remember that happening. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. What sure. a what a, what a cool thing to I mean to be able to say, oh yeah, you can ride up on a boat to come watch a football game. That's got to be pretty in cool. Tennessee. In but, Tennessee, like yeah. nonetheless, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a you know, there's other like places where you would think, oh yeah, I'm sure they could do that. And it's like, nope, there's only two places in the country, and we're one of them. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, Heather, thank you so, so much for coming on. Before you leave, is there anything you would like to plug to our fans? Maybe go take a listen to or uh, just a- anything you want to promote right now? Yeah, I would love to just promote our radio station. If anybody is ever in Knoxville, we are on FM 99.1 and AM 990. We're a dual signal. We're called the Sports Animal. Or uh, people can always stream us if they ever want to check us out. I'm on from noon to three with another guy, Josh Ward. And we're at sportsradiownml.com. So stream us, listen to us, and uh, if you're feeling brave, give us a call. Awesome. Well, Heather, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you again so much. And um, we really appreciate appreciate you coming on the podcast, and we'll uh, keep in touch. And we'll definitely let you know when we make it up to Knoxville. Absolutely. Yes, that sounds awesome. Thank you guys, Andrew and Tori, so much for having me. Wow, Tori, that was a really outstanding interview. Yeah, she was so easy to talk to. I mean, obviously, she's a radio host, so she does it for a living. But really, a super cool perspective on Tennessee volleyball. I am very much looking forward to looking up that stat on Coach Weiss at Florida because I'm pretty certain that she started 1991 which would mean her first 15 years as a head coach at florida she did not lose a conference game which it just blows my mind pretty good uh head coaching all right well moving forward in the podcast i am going to sit back and relax and have coach plugi teach us a little bit of something about volleyball in volleyball 101 with coach plugi Today, we are going over the challenge review system. So if you've been to a college volleyball match anytime in the past uh, two or three years, you might have noticed that coaches can now challenge a call made by the officials, much like a review system in football. Um, The game's really, really fast, and line judges and referees obviously aren't perfect, so they implemented a system to help with some of those close calls. So each coach gets three challenges per match, unless a deciding fifth set is needed, which allows each coach to have one more challenge. So even if you haven't used any of your challenges, you still get an extra one for the fifth set, um, giving you four total for the match. Um, A challenge card can be used to determine if the ball was in or out, if there was a touch on the play, which also includes four hits, so uh, no touch on the block or something like that, Um, a foot fault at the service line, if a player made a net violation during the play, or if there is a back row attack line um, violation. During the review system, the call can be confirmed, reversed, or ruled inconclusive, in which the call stands as made by the referee. In some cases, reversing the original decision can result in a replay. 
For instance, if the referee blows the whistle before the play is over, a challenge is called and reverses the decision, the ball would be replayed because the outcome of the play after the early whistle was unknown. Um, and basically, that's a brief overview of our challenge system. It is a little bit newer, so rules continue to be amended each year as the uh, system progresses. One thing to note, in football, it works a little bit differently. If you win a challenge, you get it back. Do you not? You do yeah. not get any challenges back in this. You get three if it's a four-set yeah. match or less, no matter if you win them or don't. Absolutely. So even if you win the challenge, it's gone. No longer can be used. Um, sometimes you might see a coach run out of timeouts. They haven't used the challenge yet. They might try to fake challenge something to tell their team something. Uh, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of it's used a strategy that way thing. sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's still new. Right, so yeah, got to take advantage mm-hmm. of it. All right, well, before we finish up this episode, uh, let's just go right into Andrew's one more thing. And this week, I want to talk about uh, James over at TennesseeVolleyball.net. I think what he, it, for those of y'all who haven't listened, there is kind of an independent website for specifically Tennessee Volleyball. Um, he does a really, really good job. He writes press releases for every game. Um, he has stats up. He has the SEC standings. He'll do previews. He do, he team. does previews. He uh, he has the um, on the right side. He has all SEC Twitter accounts plugged into his website, um, and then he has suggested links, which. I remember the first day I was looking at where our listeners were coming from on SoundCloud and I saw this website pop up and I didn't know about this website before I saw this. I clicked on it and I was like, oh my God, somebody put our podcast on their website. So thank you, James, for that. We really appreciate it. And uh, we really appreciate what you do, not only for Tennessee volleyball, but for the sport in general. We think it's really cool. Yeah, so um, that's kind of going to wrap it up for us. We're actually going to do our feature on the Mississippi State Bulldogs next week. Uh, they've got matches against Auburn and Mizzou, so should be a fun week there. They're still chasing their first conference win, so we'll see if they can snag one this week. All right, guys, that wraps it up. So we will go ahead, or we will talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Bye.